All right, here we go. Another edition of Hometown Threads, 14 WILI, 95.3 FM, and Willimantic Today Facebook. Uh, Keith C. Rice here, and of course, Hometown Threads comes your way every week. Uh, big thanks to our, uh, well, somewhat new sponsors still, um, Liberty Bank, Be Community Kind, and uh, big thanks to J. Matt Rupar uh, behind the board and RJ and the admin team at Willimantic Today, and thanks uh, for all who listen and watch the show every week. Hometown Threads is a 25-minute show focusing on our neighbors, community members, we learn about them, how, how they get their start, how their businesses got started, what they're up to today. We try and fit all that in within 25 minutes. Uh, uplifting, positive, inspirational stories, and maybe info you never knew about our guests. And we'll get to our special guests in just a sec. Uh, again, Hometown Threads brought to you by Liberty Bank. Be community kind with two Willimantic locations, 1703 uh, West Main Street in Willimantic inside Gateway Commons. Make sure you say hello to my lovely wife, Marion Garconi, and 679 Main Street, Willimantic. Rick Nassif is our guest for episode 11 of Hometown Threads. Rick, is, uh, Rick now works for Keller Williams. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, but we all know Rick. Of course, we know the last name. The building still stands across the street uh, from the radio station. He launched a lot of careers. He's, uh, he's done so much for the community. Welcome, Rick Nassif. I'm honored to be here. This is a joy. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to have you here in our WILI studios. And uh, I was just telling Rick off the air how sometimes, you know, it's kind of every week you got to hustle to get a guest because the weekly show. And sometimes I'll just be driving down Main Street reminiscing about my childhood. Nassus was a, 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 a very important uh, part of my childhood. And I look at the Nassus building and instantly, ooh, I should get a hold of Rick Nassus. He, Rick Nassif would be a great guest. So welcome, Rick, and uh, tell us about the early days of Rick Nassif and growing growing up here in eastern Connecticut. Well, I was born in Manchester, Connecticut, but my parents moved to Willimantic when I was four years old. We lived on Hope Street, and then in 1959 moved to Prospect Street. I went to Natchaug Kindergarten, Noble School, Wyndham High School, and went on to Providence College for several years after that. And I... I, to this day, I live in Columbia, but when people ask me where I'm from, I say Willimantic. I'm very proud of this community. Um, one of the reasons we we're here is my dad fell in love with the community when he moved to the area to take over the family business. And the family business, I'm assuming, uh, being Nassif's, did, so your father uh, is responsible for starting Nassif's, right? Or no, it's my grandfather. Your, whoa, it goes back even further. Yeah, 1950. Wow. My grandfather, with two partners, started Nassif Arms Company on Railroad Street, right about where we're standing right now, about 50 feet from here, as a, a gun and pet store. Because if you needed a gun, it was to hunt. And if you hunted, you needed dog supplies. So that's our early days on, at 7 Railroad Street. Wow. And Railroad Street, where we were, had Mike's newsstand, had Tony's uh, package store, Tony Mamunas. What year was this about, roundabout? Well, 1950 is when it oh, started. 1950, right, okay. And then uh, there was the Frontenac Cafe, right about where we're sitting right now. Uh, there was a music store here. I don't remember the name of it, but I remember this neighborhood well. Then my dad moved to town in 1958, I believe, to close the store for the family business. My grandfather had started it. Okay. And we had another store in Manchester. My grandfather started that store right after oh. World War II. He moved here to close the store. It wasn't doing that well. He fell in love with the community, and he did a lot of business from day one. Having somebody really connected to the business really energized it. And then very shortly after that, moved up to 794 Main Street, where uh, Bev's newsstand used right. to be. 
And from there, we moved to 766 Main Street, which is where the flying carpet building that's now defunct is. And then in 1977, we bought the former Woolworth building and moved there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so uh, he started to thrive. He started to make a lot of connections around here. And your, your father just absolutely fell in love. And you guys, where were you guys living at the time? We were, oh, by 1960, we were living on Prospect Street, oh, no, Prospect. across from the old high school. Okay, so NASA stays open in 1959, and it could... It, it, I was four years old. Four years old. <laughs> wow. So, in 1959, what kind of store was NASA's at that point? It was a little store about twice the size of the, the studio that we're in now, with guns and pet supplies still guns and kind of, yeah, kind of what your grandfather was doing my right? grandfather wasn't really a sporting goods store my dad moved it up the street to main street and turned it into a sporting goods store and you know we sold athletic footwear converse all-stars that was the only thing that we sold uh you know tennis rackets were made of wood skis were made yeah. of wood sold ski we sold the full range in a very tiny store that was maybe a 1,500 square feet. I was going to say, wait a minute, you said it's about the size of the studio? Oh, that's when he, uh, it's before he Once moved we moved up yeah. to Main Street, it was about you know, about 1,500 square yeah. feet. So, okay, bigger store, uh, so it must have helped business because, uh, you know, it wasn't doing that great when you're, you know, your grandfather. But it, So when did it start to really take off post-1959? Uh, right, right about 1960, yeah. and he, my dad built the business steadily over time. I mean, he had a wonderful way with people, and so many kids tell me, about their first interaction with him. My dad had this giant set of hands that <laughs> they, they all remember shaking his hand with their, their tiny hands enveloped in his hand. But he, he loved people, and that's what I, I learned that from both my mom and dad. You know, the world is about people. Absolutely. It's really a, a joy that, that, the, that people bring to you when they interact with you. And so many local people would say to me, gee, I went in and I saw your dad and I needed golf clubs and couldn't afford them and I paid him off $2 a week for 15 weeks. Uh, he was very flexible. He, he worked fair. and did whatever he needed to. And one little story, when I was six years old, he would give me a quarter and send me walking down the street to the pharmacy to buy him three cigars, Palma throwouts. And that was an era when a six-year-old could buy cigars. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. A six-year-old buying cigars. Oh, yeah. I would go down with the quarter, and they'd see me, the quarter in my hand, and say, your dad wants three Palma throwouts. He would, they would hand them to me. Were you ever tempted to smoke one at six years old? Not a chance. <laughs> they were green. They were green. It was yeah. just, it, there were, you know, downtown Willimantic was a different place. Yeah. We had four pharmacies. We had six shoe stores. We had so many different types of retail businesses. Now we got $17 stores. and uh, We do. It's different. <laughs> it's different. But the sense of community is still here. Yeah, it was it there then. It's here now. This is a wonderful community of caring people. I can't tell you enough about Willimantic. It's it's a beautiful place. Well, you're one of the most caring people we know. Rick Nassif joining us here in Episode 11 of Hometown Threads on 14 WILI, 95.3 FM, and Willimantic Today Facebook. Brought to you by Liberty Bank, Be Community Kind. So your father must have probably crossed paths with my grandfather, I'm assuming. Oh, I remember your grandfather's silky voice on the radio all the time. It was just a delight. That was... I thought he was a national celebrity with a voice like that. I mean, I... You know, growing up, not to talk about my, my grandfather for a second, he... <laughs> As a child, remember that guy who had the Smith Barney commercials? Mm -hmm. They earned it. I used to think my grandfather was, I can't think of the guy's name. But, uh, my father's shaking his head. My father's, 
Unless he's going, no, it's his, it's, that's his name. And a Houseman or something? I, anyway. John Houseman. John Houseman. John Houseman. I used to think my grandfather was John Houseman. But anyway, um, I'm sure you know, my grandfather probably worked with your father. Uh, we worked, you, know, you knew him as well. And um, I'm sure you guys were advertising on WIO. Absolutely. Well. <laughs> Absolutely. Always committed. It always produced results. And, and just, you know, we're all members of the same community. We all supported each other, you know. We did a lot for each well, other. You were telling me you're pretty, you know, very close with my father and uh, the late Kevin Crosby, and uh, who else was part of that little uh, pack? You guys, a little Dick Anthony Dick from Anthony. Hurley's, Ken yeah. Champagne Senior. Uh, great local group there. Yeah, great local group. There was Milk King, who was a former police chief. Sure. He was part of that. And uh, you guys would all go out others. to lunch from time to time. And we they, would uh, love hearing stories about uh, you guys. Seven hour lunch. Seven hour lunch. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well, yeah I, I moved away for a bunch of years, but I, my father, I knew about the little group my father had, and he, he thinks the world of you guys, too. And um, and it's, it's just sad that, uh, you know, you were telling me a little about Kevin, too. What a what a, uh, a wonderful man who touched the community like yourself. He did. So I, I used the term glue. He was the glue. He, he had such a, a responsibility to the community. He looked at his mandate as editor of the local paper. It was his job to keep people together and do everything he could for anybody local. You're a wonderful, wonderful person. And of course, again, we're mentioning, uh, we're talking about Kevin Crosby, who uh, passed away how many years ago again? Approximately 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years ago. Uh, you know, ran the Chronicle for so many years and touched many lives as well. Um, all right, so uh, tell us about how, when it was time for your father to hand off Nassif to you. How did that all, tell, take us through that and some of the ups and downs that maybe you've encountered or you did encounter back then. I had worked in the family business for about nine years. Uh, Full time. When your father was still there. My dad was still there. This was 1984. And my mom had gotten ill, and my dad decided that he wasn't going to work any longer and I was going to take over the business. And he just said, You're in charge now. Wow. That's how it happened one day? He did. And he really gave me free reign. And from that point forward, we worked hard to grow the business. And this was a very vibrant retail environment for many years in downtown Willimantic, downtowns in general. Uh, And as we Move forward from that point. About the same time, we decided to open a, a branch store at the Eastbrook Mall, which oh, we did. I was about to mention that, yes. Was it now, obviously, the, the big location here on Main Street? You had Eastbrook Mall. Was there another one? I thought you had another nope. one. Just those two? Just those two. Okay. How uh, how many years was the one? And tell us about the, the Eastbrook Mall one. I know that it was, was a ten, smaller uh, version. 10 years from 1985 to 1995. Oh, wow. Okay. And as it, it wound down, the mall itself wound down yeah. in that time frame. It's had its ups and downs. Uh, we focused on the, the downtown store and continued to grow it. And then we, all around 1988 or so, we, we jumped into the team and institutional business and grew that. And that was the largest part of our business for many years. You know, at the peak, that. we had about 70 full-time employees between screen printing plant, embroidery plant, road salespeople covering most of southern New England, the retail store. How many employees again? About, approximately 70 at the peak wow. in different locations yeah. and, and and the Eastbrook Mall store. Sure. And then Romantic Willimantic happened. Uh-huh. You have to... I know where you're going, I think. Yeah. This Shirts, is a, right? a, a, re, yeah, a really good story. Uh, that, that Any mention of NASIFs, uh, NASIFs for sports, uh, and we, we can maybe cover the history of NASIFs, but uh, that's something that we want to touch on. The romantic Willimantic shirts, right? Correct. All right, so tell us about this. How this it all started at Nassif's? Yeah, uh, not completely. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, 
it was about 1989. We had a silkscreen printing operation in the basement as a, an adjunct to our team business. And Roger Adams, the director of the Chamber of oh, Commerce, came to me and said, Rick, I have an ad- idea for a T-shirt. It should say, wouldn't it be romantic to be in Willimantic? Will you print those up? I said, of course. I said, you know, and I'll print a batch for you, and maybe when you're done, we can sell them in the store. We had a really talented local artist who was working full-time as our artist in our screen printing plant, Larry Wazley. And Larry is the person who designed the Yukon Husky that is about two versions before the current version. Very talented, had, did a lot of work up at Yukon and so forth. His dad used to be the um, CEO of Brand Rex. Oh, wow. Larry was brilliant. And when we ran this by Larry, he said, oh, no. You want this to say romantic, Willimantic. So the idea of that verbiage, I I attribute to Larry. And I had always had a vision of a railroad railroad, uh, locomotive on an old-fashioned track going underneath the footbridge with some of the scenic features of Willimantic in the background. And I described to Larry this illustration that I hoped we could make. And he spent several days sketching down on, on underneath the footbridge, sketching the image that became the image for Romantic Willimantic. So Larry came up with Romantic Willimantic. You're uh, you're responsible for the scenery or the location. The scenery. Look at that. That's but the, the original concept came from the the director of the chamber, Roger, oh, Roger Adams at the time. I know Roger, too. It so, yeah. started with Roger. Got to give Roger props. Yeah. Larry came up with the brilliant permutation of that idea, and then I had the idea for the image. And we printed that? up you know, a batch of 50 shirts with this graphic image for the chamber, and I, I, then everything opened up. We had uh, uh, some reporter for United Press International had a, a child going to Yukon and saw, <clears throat> excuse me, saw the T-shirts in our window when he was in downtown Willimantic right, yeah. and ran an article on it. And we had a half-page article in the New York Times on it. All of a sudden, we were getting mail order requests from all over the country no. for Romantic Willimantic oh. shirts. And we ended up selling about 50,000 of them. And every time Roger would need more shirts to hand out is, I would give him 50 shirts, just say thank you. Uh, and now obviously, this helped Massives, too. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. We yeah. sold a lot of shirts. I rem- Again, part of my childhood, I remember seeing those in the window. And you walk into Nassif's Romantic Willimantic. And now it's all coming back to me even, even clearly, even more. Even uh, it's I could totally see it. So that there, there was a change uh, when we moved from one point to another on Main Street where we changed the name of the business from Nassif Arms Company, being a gun store and pet supply right. place. We got rid of the guns and changed it to Nassif's for sports. And that was the name of the business for the last 40 years That's of its right. existence. That's right. Okay, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't just Nassif's, it was Nassif's for sports. Correct. Ah, okay. So um, you mentioned uh, the two locations. Uh, how about some of the employees that you had working there, some of the relationships you had throughout the years, some of the careers you helped launch i know a couple of the top of my head i'm sure you can go right down the line you've, you've had, and i remember walking in there like thursday night was always the night my father if i had to go get new sneakers my parents would take me down there let's go to nasa's nasa's the first place to think of uh mike giblin was the big uh he worked down in the ski department right? love Downstairs. mike giblin or he worked he you know after he he had owned ben's eagle shoes in That's willimantic right. that he bought bought from a normie preg's family uh, and he ran that for several years and when it came time to close it he came in and he said, I'm going to work here. 
And Is that what he said? Yeah, I didn't think I could pay him enough for somebody that everyone loved that much. And he really didn't want to get paid. He just wanted to hang out on Thursday nights. And That's why he went Thursday nights. Oh, yeah, Thursday nights <laughs> and sometimes on Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, Mike's wonderful, oh, you know, yeah. just wonderful. He was my cross-country coach uh, back in the late 80s at Lyman, and I think he's living on the Cape now. He is. And he's, was he fishing? or he does? I know he's in the... He does uh, uh, seal rescues. That's he works for a rescue organization, very compassionate. Yeah. He and his wife, Kathy, do uh, rescues of, of marine life, and I see pictures all the time. Yeah, you're right, very compassionate. I miss him. Now, there's another guy who's, who's in town, is uh, Dan Pavone. Damn. He, uh, he's part of uh, well the, the plaques. You know, right? He's a man with a golden voice. Oh, let me tell you, I uh, I read over St. Joseph's and Dan and his wife Annette, both of them can, I mean, talk about singing. They got in- incredible voice. But Dan did. Uh, he worked for you for for many years. He's right? as good as it gets. Dan is a great person, and uh, his business apparently has thrived. He took over all of our uh, trophy business when we closed closed Nassus for sports in 2007, and he opened Dan's Awards. And just utterly wonderful and reliable, honest as, as a person could be. Yes, wonderful guy. Big Red Sox fan, too. I'm a Yankees fan. I knew what I was about to ask you. I had a feeling. <laughs> See, I haven't seen uh, Mr. Nassif in years, Rick Nassif. I had a feeling, like, I wonder if he's a big, you know, he was one of a Red Sox fan, Yankee fan. It was about three to one Red Sox over Yankees fans in the, the area Nassif? growing up. It was, it was really tough. <laughs> That's how this town is, though. You know yeah, we I mean? were a persecuted minority. We're right in the, <laughs> we're right in the Mason-Dixon line. So let's talk about 2004 in the ALCS. No, uh, Rick, I rooted for the, the Red Sox. Wait a minute. Unlike, oh. Wait a minute. Unlike most Yankees fans, I love the Red Sox also. D- what? I What's not what? to love? They're a wonderful team. It's uh, just I grew up with Mickey Mantle. No, you know. Well, you're a good Yankee fan, then. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm sure Wayne appreciates this because, you know, Wayne... Uh, I, I, here's the thing too. I've, um, I guess, over the years, you become a little more easygoing. I remember before 2004, when I had to get a, go down the Red Sox path, but it was it was painful being a Red Sox fan. But then, you know, we've been a little spoiled over the years. So. I was so happy for them. I why why would you wish badly on your friend's joy? Of course not. But as a Yankee fan, that'd be a little party going. You didn't want no. the, that curse. No, okay. as long as they weren't <laughs> playing against each other. You know, I went to a Red Sox game with my college roommate about. Six years ago up in Boston, it was the Yankees versus the Red Sox. And he looked at me and said, you can't wear the Yankees hat here, uh, Fenway. Somebody told me. He said, that. you'll get hurt. <laughs> that happened to me walking into the old Yankee Stadium in, like, uh, early 2000s. So we're really going down a sports path here. And I, uh, a buddy of mine told me, he said, be careful with that Red Sox hat entering the South Bronx. Yeah, we had a good time that night. But, you know, and I think Red Sox and Yankee fans, for the most part, uh, can, can – um, can hopefully you know laugh things off and, and take things a little less seriously now, but uh, we won't go into the whole Super Bowl talk with the Eagles. But <clears throat> Philly, I lived in Philly, so but um, Jim's cheesesteaks on South Street. Oh, hey, oh, I feel go down that's a whole other path. Okay. Yeah, cheesesteaks, you know, that'd be another show. Um, so okay, uh, we have five more minutes left with uh, Mr. Nassafir, episode 11, Hometown Threads. What were some of the? I mean, you guys obviously thrived for years, the, the, the building is huge across the street. What were some of the some of the small little uh, difficulties or speed bumps that you encountered over the years that you can recall off the top of your head, maybe. But it, what we did as a business, we tried to sell a lot of value. We were in a community without a, without a, the kind of high average income you might get in Fairfield County or even Hartford County. So we always focused on we could sell good equipment if it was worth what you paid for it. We didn't 
sell the fashion as much as the performance. Mm-hmm. And we sold a lot of ski equipment over years. There, there was, I remember one year when we had a lot of snow on the ground, we sold almost 3,000 sets of cross-country skis out of there. Back when it snowed the wintertime, actually. And, yeah, uh, it did, did used to snow. Did it, I, it, uh, yeah, and and Yukon had a, a ski area that with natural snow there. We'd go up to the... the the um, rope toe up there and go ski up there That's when right. I was yeah, in high school. Had a lot of ski trips too, you know, right? Yeah, we would run, we would price them at cost to just help people out. Was that the most popular? I just thought of this. The most popular thing you sold was was this was your ski business. I know you sold a lot of other stuff. What was the most popular product you walk into Nassif's and it would fly off the shelves? Footwear, athletic footwear. footwear. Yeah, yeah, that was by far and away the the biggest thing. And then as, you know, one of the reasons we closed the business, as time went on and people were buying footwear over the internet, the, the dynamic shifted, you know, and we would carry 10 models of very expensive soccer shoes because we that was a, yeah. I played soccer in high school and that was my love. And then you could find a site with 50 models all made in Italy with Italian leather. And, and really going to a local specialty store wasn't necessary anymore. And, of course, all the local uh, high schools probably came in here, and they, you had all the, you know, the team jerseys, team color. I remember that. Um, so I'm sure the local high school kids were with their parents were always uh, you know, f- uh, oh, you know, swinging through the doors of Nassif's. Um, uh, wh- how about some people besides your father and your grandfather that really uh, helped your business throughout the years? You just want to name off the top of your head. I, I have to name a couple names. We had a local hero of mine, Jerry Dunnick, worked with us for many years. He was a sports figure in Columbia, ran a youth hockey program there. And I would come into work every day and I would see Jerry working with us and go, how did I get this lucky? Jerry was one of the finest human beings I've ever met. We had another gentleman downstairs, Dave Bell, who ran our awards department before Dan did. And Dave was a retired uh, sergeant from the, the army and ran that with utter precision I, I would look at Dave. He was like another father to me. I, I couldn't believe I got to work with people. And I have so many people. I could name 20 names that were were hardworking, talented, sincere people. Were just They understood the, 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 the service, service ethos that we put forward and what we did in that business. Well, you're such a kind gentleman, and you're, you're an icon in this town, Rick Nassif. Uh, tell us a little about what you're doing now with Keller Williams. I'm a realtor. When we closed the business in 2007... Uh, by 2008, middle part of the year, I had, you know, taken the course that I needed and gone into real estate and just love what I do. I'm with my, the agency I'm with, Keller Williams Realty. Keller Williams Legacy Partners is the local franchise. They such high ethics, ethical standards, uh, service to the customer is the core of it, very similar to our retail business. Uh, and I respect the people I work with. We have about 400-something agents out of nine offices throughout most of the central part of, and eastern part of Connecticut. How can people get a hold of you if you want to reach out about if real estate? If you go to uh, rick at is my email address, 860-208-1354 is my phone number, and nassif.com will get you my, my contact info. There he is, Rick Nassif. Uh, I'm so glad you're enjoying the real estate world. Any chance at a uh, reopening Nassif's at a Nassif's comeback? No. <laughs> uh, thank you so much.
Uh, Rick Nassif, episode 11 here at Hometown Threads, brought to you by Liberty Bank, Be Community Kind. Again, two Willimantic locations, 1703 West Main Street, inside Gateway Commons, and right next here to the station at uh, six, uh, yeah, six, 679 Main Street, Willimantic. Thank you, Liberty Bank, Be Community Kind. Thank you, J. Matt Rupar, R.J. Willimantic today. Thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for watching 14 WILI, 95.3 FM, and Willimantic Today Facebook. Thank you.